So in 2015, a new reality show aired in Somalia, and it was called Inspire Somalia. The show was modeled after American Idol, and it featured singing contestants and a judge and a live audience. And that may sound kind of harmless on its face, uh, but just a few years earlier in 2009, uh, a, ter a terrorist group called Al-Shabaab actually outlawed music. So they outlawed music at weddings. Uh, they, would, uh, they would catch you if you had a ringtone on your phone that was musical in nature. Um, and one of the things that they would do is if they caught you listening to music on your phone is they would actually pull out the memory card and make you eat it. That was one of the punishments. And so, um, you know, a singing show had a little bit more maybe impact than what we might normally think. Uh, and what most people didn't know, and if we can show the, the next, yeah, this is, a, this is just a screenshot from that show. And what most people did not know at the time is that this was a lot more than just a reality TV show. Uh, it was actually part of a United Nations initiative to give the Somalian people an example of what life could look like, a vision of a different reality, if you will. The show illustrates individual expression with the singing and fairness with voting uh, with the judge panel, along with other democratic ideals that they were hoping to reinforce through the show. And these had been lost in Somalian society. And so the UN's explicit goal was to subvert a reality that was created by Al-Shabaab. They created a full-blown TV show, but their real goal was to change the hearts and minds of people. So we asked the question last week uh, in our study, what does reality look like? And our scripture today, uh, and in our scripture today, I think Jesus' goals are in many ways the same as the United Nations in Somalia. Uh, he is heralding the invasion of the kingdom of heaven, and he is literally doing that to get the hell out of earth. And his goal is to restore humanity and creation to what it was made to be in the first place. So we're going to dig into that a little bit today. If you would, uh, just bow your heads and pray with me. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your subversive, redeeming truth and breathe fresh your kingdom reality into our hearts and minds this morning. Amen. So, my name is Donnie Epp. Um, I'm a member and participant in the teaching team. This is a group of people made up of mostly folks in here um, that meet weekly to look at our scripture for the week uh, and ultimately deliver a message out of that discussion. Uh, and I want to uh, start by just saying thank you to several of the folks on that team. I'm going to quote you directly, but I can't remember who said what, so I'm probably not going to give you credit. But 98% of what I've, I'm saying this morning I stole from someone else, and I have no shame about it. Uh, and I just want to say thank, uh, welcome. If you're here, if you're listening on the podcast, if you're watching on Facebook Live, or you're here in person, we're really glad you're here. Uh, and then uh, last point I just wanted to make is if you want to dig in deeper, um, I'm going to make some statements and I'm going to take some positions this morning that you may not agree with, and that's awesome. Actually, I hope you disagree with something I say and that it inspires you to dig a little bit deeper um, into the scripture. And a great way to do that is to look at our learning guide online. Um, Ryan Jackson puts that together every week, and there's some great content and links for further learning. So you can go to the Grace Church website to check that out. 
Um, all right, so this week we continue through our study of Matthew, and this particular passage is a slice right through the Sermon on the Mount. So I just wanted to kind of catch us up on exactly where we're at as we try to get into the context of this scripture. So Matthew begins his book with the birth of Jesus and kind of connecting Jesus to prophecy in history, and he kind of connects those dots for us. And uh, he kind of skips a, a large portion of Jesus's childhood. Um, and so the, the, if you look over the last three weeks of what we've been looking at, um, Jesus is baptized uh, with John the Baptist, and the Spirit of God descends on him and, uh, and, and says, this is my son. And then that same Spirit leads Jesus into the desert for 40 excruciating days of temptation. Fortunately, Jesus survives this experience, and uh, it ignites his kind of period of ministry. So he's maybe 30 years old here, um, roughly, and he begins to announce God's kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. So he's gathered those who have begun to follow him on a hillside, and he's going to start to lay out uh, his vision for this upside-down kingdom. And so today we're looking specifically, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, we'll also put the words up on the screen, but we're looking specifically at Matthew 6, uh, verses 7 through 21, and 25 through 34. And we begin this section with a poetic prayer that I think Jesus intends to perpetuate the energy and vitality of this movement uh, that he is bringing about. So let's read together, um, and I'm going to ask you to stand here in a second, so... Uh, So Jesus begins, When you pray, do not babble repetitiously like the Gentiles, because they think that by their many words they will be heard. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So pray this way. So if you would stand with me. And we're going to do, this is actually a corporate prayer, so we're going to say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, thank you. You can have a seat. I appreciate you doing that. (laughs) So in our grace community, and I think in our broader cultural context, Whenever anybody takes a really hard line on something as it relates to our faith, I think we cringe a little bit when they say, hey, you do this, and then you do this, and then you do this. You might hear someone like me respond with, it's not a formula, guys, it's a relationship. And I think we do that with good reason, because we've seen how attaching a formula to our faith can wreak havoc in relationships and in our churches. But I also think that we can't turn away from what Jesus says in verse 9 when he says to his disciples, hey, when you pray, pray this way. Now, I'm not an accomplished or certified biblical scholar, but I think when he says pray this way, he actually means pray this way. Um, And so I think it's okay to lean into that a little bit and to look at this in that way. And there may be no better summary of Jesus' movement than this poetic prayer. And this isn't a dispassionate lecture or some type of dissertation. It's a gift. It's a tool. It's an instrument for recalibrating our reality as we look at it in the kingdom. So um, if you're like me, you probably can't resist 
uh, when you get on an airplane. And this is getting fewer and far between because of all of the you know, security regulations. But every once in a while, you get to peek in a cockpit, uh, either when you're, when you're getting on an airplane um, or uh, hopefully not when something horribly wrong has happened. Um, and, uh, but I love looking in that cockpit. And when I was a little kid, sometimes they would let you even uh, come sit in there for a minute. And when you stop and think about it, these instruments on this cockpit, of which I know nothing about, uh, are pretty incredible because we are literally sending an aluminum tube up thousands of feet in the air with 300 people on it. And these instruments help these pilots keep that thing floating. That's unbelievable. So I love looking at those instruments. And one of these tools looks like this next slide. This is called an attitude indicator, uh, which I, I love this name, and it's just so perfect for today. So thank you, Flight Instruments. Um, I, was, uh, I was reading a little bit about this instrument uh, on a, a pilot school website, so I just wanted to give you a little bit of a, of a description about what this uh, actually indicates. The attitude indicator is a useful cockpit instrument if you ever find yourself in conditions that preclude you from vi full visual flying, such as when caught in a cloud or in bad weather. It gives you an instant, truthful indication as to whether your aircraft is turning, climbing, or descending, and it should be trusted over all other senses if you are disoriented or lost. Pretty helpful. Uh, there's a blue sky and a brown earth, and if you are upside down, that is not a good thing. <laughs> so some of you may remember, uh, in 1999, uh, JFK Jr.'s fatal plane crash. Um, and a few folks were on the, on the airplane with him. And the official investigation by the National Transportation Safety Board concluded that Kennedy fell victim to spatial disorientation while he was descending over water at night and consequently lost control of his plane. They got into some bad weather and they literally lost track of whether they were upside down or right side up or whether they were taking off into the sky or careening towards the earth. That's what happened. And unfortunately, JFK Jr. was only certified to fly under visual flight rules, which means that you're really only certified to fly if you can see what's in front of you. And so when visibility worsened, he lost his bearings and the plane crashed. He didn't know how to use instruments like the attitude indicator that could have saved his life and the lives of those on board. The structure of the Lord's Prayer is intentional. It's arranged poetically it's simple to remember, and it's easy to memorize. And we saw a little bit of that earlier. Um, you can make it a song if you want. It contains all of the necessary components to daily realign us to Jesus' kingdom reality. It is an attitude indicator, if you will, for kingdom reality. So as a part of preparing for this week, um, and it's amazing how when you agree to do this part, your life changes in, in the week that you choose to do it. Um, uh, and so what I, what I chose to do was actually read and recite the Lord's Prayer um, every morning. And it was amazing to see this act for me as an attitude indicator to realign my bearings every morning. And I'm planning, this is one of the things that I'm planning to add to my daily practice after, after trying this. Um, and and I, I think sometimes we forget that Jesus is, is really stinking smart. Um, you know, I think we, we look at him in his robes and we're completely out of context. He's, he's very intelligent. And I think that what he is giving us here in this prayer is, is an amazing commentary on human motivation and what we need to remember to align ourselves to his truth. So I think also understanding when you look at this tool, what we are orienting ourselves to here is key. This attitude indicator doesn't change where the earth is 
The sky is still in the same place, and the earth is still in the same place. It changes our attitude towards it and our perception of it. I think in many ways prayer is the same way. Um, and, and Amy actually dropped this quote uh, in on Tuesday. Oswald Chambers says it really, really well. Um, to say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying, prayer changes me, and then I change things. God has established things so that prayer, on the basis of redemption, changes the way a person looks at things. Prayer is not a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature. So to restate that a little bit, prayer isn't to change things, but to change and orient me so that I may change things. So let's keep reading in our passage in Matthew, because we could talk for the next six hours on just the Lord's Prayer. So uh, Jesus continues, For if you forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. I, I don't personally per, like, like this verse. <laughs> um, and uh, I think Jesus knows, because he's connecting back to a point in his prayer when he says, Forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And this is a really gnarly challenge that Jesus gives us here. This is not an easy one, and he knows it. And I always wonder what the body language of the people there was and how they were responding to this, because Jesus doubles down after the prayer is over and says, hey, I really did mean that, because this is all about forgiveness. We must daily choose to completely lose and surrender our right to get even. He knows it's tough. But it's so critical to his movement and what it means to be a part of his kingdom reality that he reiterates it here. So let's keep going. When you fast, do not look sullen like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that people will see them fasting. I tell you the truth, they have their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others when you are fasting but only to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So I struggle a little bit with the order that Matthew puts this scripture into the book of Matthew. So if you have clarity on that, I would love to know. But the way that I read this is that Jesus is giving them this instruction on this tool of prayer called the Lord's Prayer, and it's like it pops into his head and he goes, and by the way, when you fast, don't contort your face and look like a tool. You know, and and that's, that's kind of how I read the tone here. <laughs> um, and so I, I think this, this was maybe a pet peeve for Jesus. I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's notable, though, that when he talks about fasting and praying, uh, he says, when you fast and when you pray, he assumes that we will be doing these things. And I think that's something that we should probably consider. Um, so the second half of our scripture, we're going to keep reading here. You're going to be very familiar with several of the verses in here. So I'm just going to make my way all the way through it. Do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they are? And which of you, by worrying, can add even one hour to his life? 
Why do you worry about clothing? Think about how the flowers of the field grow. They do not work or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. And if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow is tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more, you people of little faith? So then don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the unconverted pursue these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So then, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. So, I think that this is the part where I tell you to throw away all your stuff, seize the moment, Marie Kondo your life, and live like a real Christian is supposed to live. Does that sound right? I think so. I think that's what I'm supposed to do here. And I think we do this all of the time. We're very eager to jump to the fully actualized end of what we are supposed to look like and how what we are supposed to live like, to imagine that the work is done, to achieve our body transformation. I tried to find a really a safe one, okay? <laughs> uh, to remodel our house. And I, and I realize here, too, just a comment, that putting Chip and Joanna Gaines uh, in a facetious way on a Sunday morning is really it's pretty dangerous. <laughs> so... Um, or to be a famous singer. And we imagine what it's like at the end, but we do not imagine all the work that it takes to get there. In seriousness, no, I think, I think that these are very real representations of our mindset. And for me, at least, when I read these verses and I hear what I've heard for much of my life about these verses, it conjures in me some real anxiety about what I should be capable of achieving at any given moment especially combined with this idea that I shouldn't be worried about it at all in the first place. So for me, it feels a little bit like this clip. I'm going to be your instincts. Kunu will be your instincts. Don't do anything. Don't try to surf. Don't do it. The less you do, the more you do. Let's see it pop up. Pop it up. That's not it at all. Do less. Get down. Try less. Do it again. Pop up. Nope, too slow, do less. Pop up. Pop up. Too, you're doing too much, do less. Pop down. Pop up now. Stop, get down, get down there. Remember, don't do anything. Nothing, pop up. Well, you, no, you gotta do more than that because you're just laying, you, that looks like you're boogie boarding. Just do it, feel it, pop up. Yeah, that wasn't quite it, but we're going to figure it out out there. Let's go surfing. Come on. Everybody's learning how. Come on. And I think we find ourselves in this awkward space of saying, don't worry about your clothes, but please do wear some. (laughs) And I don't think that this is what we're supposed to walk away with. I just don't. So don't get me wrong here, though. I do, I do want to make, make sure that this is clear. Don't get me wrong. I do think that Jesus is, because we see this later in his teaching, I do think Jesus is asking his disciples and us to cultivate a mindset that each provision that we have is a gift. That each provision that we have is a gift not to be taken for granted. And that with this understanding, we become ge- radically generous with our stuff. 
but we likely aren't walking to the gym one day and leaving looking like a bodybuilder. Instead, he gives us a tool, one that he expects us to employ daily to realign our thoughts and minds to his kingdom one step at a time. The Lord's Prayer contains in it all of the key components for recalibrating our reality. I was told that if I was going to use a sports analogy today, that it needed to be a football one. So here we go. In July of 1961, 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team gathered together for the first day of training camp. The previous season had ended with a heartbreaking defeat when the Packers squandered a lead late in the fourth quarter and lost the NFL championship to the Philadelphia Eagles. The Green Bay players had been thinking about this brutal loss for the entire offseason, and now, finally, training camp had arrived and it was time to get to work. The players were eager to advance their game to the next level and start working on the details that would help them win a championship. Their coach, Vince Lombardi, had a different idea. Author David Moranis explains what happened when Lombardi walked into training camp that year. He took nothing for granted. He began a tradition of starting from scratch, assuming that the players were blank slates who carried over no knowledge from the year before. He began with the most elemental statement of all. Gentlemen, he said, this is a football. Lombardi was coaching a group of three dozen professional athletes who just months prior had come within minutes of winning the biggest prize their sport could offer, and yet he started from the very beginning. Lombardi's methodical coverage of the fundamentals continued through training camp. Each player reviewed how to block and tackle. Lombardi had an obsession with these basics. His team would become the best in the league at the tasks that everyone else took for granted. Six months later, the Green Bay Packers beat the New York Giants 37-0 to win the NFL championship. Vince Lombardi led his team to a championship by focusing on the fundamentals. The Packers achieved football transcendence with a daily dedication to the very basic concepts of football. And in his, and I think Jesus, and I think this is what Jesus does, in a desire to give us the fullness of his reality. When we focus on the fundamentals of our faith, he shows us here that the rest really will take care of itself. So in our passage this week, Jesus tells us clearly, this is how you pray. He lays out the fundamentals for living in his new kingdom. He gives us a tool, an instrument, an attitude indicator for daily orienting ourselves to his new reality. He gives us a vision for what it's like when we are aligned and oriented to his kingdom. So if the worship team like to come back up. I'll have a few closing thoughts. We now have an opportunity to join together as a community in worship and response to what God has done. And I think looking at that Lord's Prayer, there's plenty to reflect on in terms of what he is doing and and will do with our community. And we're going to participate together in a few ways. First, we're going to worship together with music. Uh, We're also going to join in communion to remember Jesus' ultimate subversion. He died to give us life. 
Communion is open here to all of those who are seeking. We also join in giving, and we cultivate a mindset that every provision that we have is a gift. We also cultivate an understanding that when we ask God to give us, give us our daily bread, that we share in that, and that we should know how we're all doing on bread. And finally, we're going to practice this discipline of aligning to Jesus' reality and the Lord's Prayer by physically putting our concerns before God and aligning our reality to his worship. Thank you.
church before we send you off um, I'm going to mix it up a little bit and do our benediction first and then do announcements just out of the spirit of just worship and continuing what we heard up here Um, y'all had very good reflections in the baskets and so we're going to pray with those reflections in our benediction Um, and so if you'll bow your heads with me we're going to pray our community prayer our father in heaven who is loyal reverent and merciful May your name be honored. May your kingdom come in the stress, in my marriage, and relationship with you. Give us today our daily bread of food, financial security, and health. And forgive us of our debts with our family, addictions, and rejection, as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation of pride, materialism, and discontentment, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. All right, and a few announcements before y'all leave. Um, So the first one is, if you are interested in getting to know more about Grace Church, um, or you're a member who just wants to continue to learn, we are um, starting up our next Grace, uh, Discovering Grace class next Sunday. So you can sign up on the clipboard in the lobby, or you can sign up online. And then the next thing is um, the 2018 giving statements are in the back. Um, you can see they're on the giving table back there. So if you need one of those, go and look for yours. 
And then the last one is um, just a reminder to contribute towards our little free pantry. Um, there's not only need in the community, but among us. And so continue to bring food, um, big or small donations. It all makes a difference. So continue to do that. So thank you, and um, may blessings be on your week. Thank you. Amen.